Hey, Kate. So obviously, I want to uh, want to introduce you to the audience. You're based out in Queenstown, is that right? Yeah, good old Queenstown. But hot, there's a Canadian accent, isn't it? Yes. Oh, I'm very much not from New Zealand. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. So I was born. Well, I guess I'm from rather about an hour outside of Vancouver, Canada, and moved here five years ago with my partner. He asked me if I wanted to move back to New Zealand with him, showed me some photos, and I said, why haven't you booked the flights yet? <laughs> <laughs> so your, your fiancé is from New Zealand? Yeah. Or sorry, your husband now, isn't it? My husband. Yeah, we got married in June. Yes. Yeah, so he's um, originally from Dunedin. Okay. What's your husband's name, Kate? Hamish. Hamish. Okay, so tell us then how Hamish and yourself met. Was it over in Canada? Yeah, so we were actually roommates. He is actually also Canadian, but pretty fake. Like his dad was <laughs> in Canada and then their family moved back when he was three. So Hamish has the passport and everything like that, but otherwise you wouldn't know. So yeah, he was over there kind of just exploring the other side of his citizenship and all of that. We became roommates and then one thing led to the no- another and um, we started dating. So then, Kate, why did you make the move back to New Zealand? So, well, Hamish is a lighting designer for live events, and he got an offer from a company in Queenstown, actually, asking if he would ever move back and if he'd want to be their director of lighting. At that point, we'd only been dating for four months, so it was kind of a, oh, well, I'm going to move back home. Do you want to come with me? And um, a few people thought we were crazy. (laughs) moving halfway across the world after only four months of dating. But we kind of figured it would either go really well or I would get an awesome holiday out of it and then just come home and obviously went really well. So, (laughs) yeah. That's beautiful. And then, so what were you doing before you moved to Queenstown? Were you a wedding photographer back then? No. So I was actually doing a bit of fashion work, just mostly like contracting or second shooting for people or doing my own thing. Um, And I was also going to school for just doing a photography degree, which I'm more focused in darkroom chemistry. Interesting. So tell us about how the love of photography come about with you. It sounds like you've got a bit of a background there. Yeah. So funny enough, it was actually (laughs) in high school. I liked this guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as all the great stories <laughs> um, I liked this guy and he was into photography and I'd kind of dabbled around my it was kind of the classic my dad had a Canon Rebel so I would steal that on the weekends and not steal he, he would bo- let me borrow it um, on the weekends and I would just take photos of my friends and then I started liking this guy and he was really good at photography so I thought well, what's a better way to get a boyfriend than to also become really good at photography? (laughs) And um, from there, we started dating. I pursued photography more. He didn't. Yeah, and now here we are. Yeah, I've never actually intended to do wedding photography, to be honest. Um, It was kind of a fluke a little bit. Okay, after that, you said you started studying darkroom chemistry. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So originally I just started going to school for photography because I feel like so it was 2013, which isn't 
that long ago, but I feel like it was very much the idea that when you graduated high school, you just went straight into university. And at that point, I couldn't really imagine doing anything else but photography. I didn't really have a backup plan. Going to school to take photos wasn't really, I don't know, I never really connected with it. I'm not sure if you've ever done any academic study in for the arts or anything like that, but it kind of sterilizes it all. So from that, doing the general photography course, I decided I'd much rather just kind of do my own thing because I liked my style more than theirs anyways. Mm. And then have these really amazing conceptual photography teachers who happened to be teaching film at the time, and they got me into the darkroom chemistry, into conceptual photography and all of that. So they were kind of the reason I went that direction, which I love and I'm so thankful for and yeah just kind of started from there so with that as well Kate how far into the darkroom chemistry did you get and do you feel as though like that helps you today I think it helps me in the way that I look at photos and the way I understand photography I think I was a little bit too young and maybe excited to be in a new city to really hone in the actual scholastics, but it definitely set a really good base for how I look at photography now and how much I appreciate film and the history of photography, which I think is something maybe not a lot of people actually look to Mm. when they get into the field. It's interesting. So do you shoot film today? Actually, you're the one who got me back into shooting film (laughs) Um, (laughs) with, um, with your Rolly Flex. Back in October, when I saw that, I came home right away and bought one and have started shooting on that. But prior, I didn't actually look into, I just, I don't know, when, I think when you move to New Zealand, especially Queenstown, and there's not a lot here. You don't even mm. really think it's possible to get developed or anything. So I hadn't pursued it until I got the Roly. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And now I've really kind of been diving more into it, especially with lockdown and everything and kind of the international market being gone. I have a lot more time to explore and that Mm, direction is really cool. I definitely want to jump into obviously Queenstown being a hot tourist destination, especially for people coming to get married, but just staying on the whole Rollerflex, how's it all going with it? Like, are you enjoying the process? Are you enjoying the the square format? Are you finding it difficult? Yeah, I really like how the limitations it gives you. That's really cool because I think in the land of digital, we can take any photo we want having kind of stripping back everything and just having that film camera has been really interesting and has helped me look at when I step back into digital things a lot differently. Mm. Do you think you'll ever implement film at weddings? So I've started to since... Everything's opened back up in New Zealand, at least. I've been doing quite a few elopements and that's really, which is so awesome because it's given me that time and space to start implementing film and all of that. Whereas I feel like if I started trying to do it in the middle of a busy wedding season, it mm-hmm. probably wouldn't work out. So yeah, I've started and hoping that once this season kicks off, I can really start doing it a lot more. Beautiful. What about you? Do you do it for your weddings and stuff? Oh, I just take it along. And um, yeah, if I do get time 
and I feel like the location and light is going to be good on, on the film, yeah, I'll whip it out and, and take a few photos, but I'm always taking it because sometimes I haven't taken my film cameras and I'm like, oh, I'd love to do this. Or I don't know, yeah. I had a chat to granddad and, and he was like talking about how he used to be a photographer and I'd love to be able to have that conversation. So for me, it's like conversation builder, probably 50%. Yeah. Yeah, I get to do it. Some of my couples in, uh, request me take like a film camera because they're into it or they are photographers and they're pretty pumped on it. So, um, yeah, but as you know, like digital is just a no-brainer generally. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to flip things a little bit, Kate. Obviously, you know, I'm sure the listener is aware of Queenstown and the incredible surrounds you have down there. And it being a very, you know, touristy destination. I'm not too familiar. I've done a few weddings there, but I'm not too familiar with the whole wedding scene there. Is it quite often people coming from overseas to Queenstown to get married? <laughs> or is it Kiwis going down down the road type thing? Yeah. So it's definitely changed a bit. I would say like probably 80% of the weddings that were happening here pre-pandemic were international a lot of australian people just because there's that direct flight it's pretty cheap so about 80 90 percent wow depending on the season yeah so it was a big shock (laughs) when covid happened it's interesting last year i was talking to a celebrant and we'd gotten the amount of I can't recall. I think it's from birth, deaths, and marriages. We got the list of how many weddings had happened in Queenstown, registered weddings, in New Zealand registered celebrants. And it was about 600. Wow. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. Especially when you start thinking about all the Asian couples that come over and they're kind of doing in a way an elopement. They've already been married in China or Australian couple where it's just cheaper to do all the paperwork in Australia. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you're dealing with a number, probably 800 to a thousand, I would say happened just in Queenstown alone. And that's per year you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's per year. Okay. And so, but with that, with obviously a lot of that being overseas and COVID, how's the market changed down there now? Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. Queenstown, I think was just that spot that when you came, you didn't really realize how big the wedding industry was until you talked to someone who was in it. And then you realize like that number 600 to a thousand happening in a year. And now with that whole international market taken away, I think it's, it's a lot of stripped back weddings, Kiwi couples coming in and it, it brings a little bit of a different, different vibe. If that makes sense. Like, I'm not sure. Cause you do, quite a few or did rather <laughs> and will do quite a few destination weddings. Do you find it's different when people are not in their country that they're living in for their weddings? Yes. So you're saying, for example, like a couple fly from Australia to Mexico for a wedding and they're getting married over there type thing. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's completely different. Even their thought process is different. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So that's kind of the way it's changed is that because people are, I mean, they're not just coming down from Auckland, but they're coming down from Auckland and it's not as different and it's not as big of a yes. once-in-a-lifetime experience. So it's a little bit different in that regard, I think. 
to be honest, really exciting to see a whole bunch of new Kiwis who maybe never thought they'd get married in Queenstown and are experiencing their backyard for maybe some, for some people the first time. But I definitely miss the international market, I think. <laughs> mm, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, Queenstown's obviously a hot, hot destination for a lot of couples looking for something quite beautiful and unique as well as an awesome honeymoon destination. I mean, the first time I went there, I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like, It blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like you said, like when you're on your home turf, you kind of take it for granted. I mean, I'm from Auckland, but I never got the chance to go to Queenstown uh, when I was living over there. And I reckon if I had of, I probably wouldn't have been so blown away by living in Australia for 15 years and then going there and being like, oh my gosh, there's such thing as a hill. Australia seems like <laughs> a flat desert and not saying that is bad, but damn, this is blowing me away right now. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful place. So tell me, I know you do elopements and weddings. Yeah. Is it generally a lot more obviously elopements these days for you? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say a lot of people are taking that cue of downsizing and micro weddings and all of that. It's set up really well here to just be easy. Mm. Like for Hamish and I, for example, we planned our wedding in like three weeks. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just the thing about here. I think all the vendors are so used to obviously doing that high amount of weddings, but then also being really on the ball about getting back to people, just get it, finding your vision, getting stuff done, that it's really easy to plan here. Like I was actually, I knew how easy it was, but then when we planned our day, like next level, it was so easy. It was incredible. So Kate, tell me about your day. I'm pretty sure I know Bailey and Moore photograph your wedding. Is that right? Yeah, Science Sophia came down, which was just such a treat, I think, because obviously I've gone to one of their workshops and I've heard them speak and all of that, but then for them to actually be there on your wedding and be taking, like, it was kind of a surreal situation, like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a wedding photographer when, like, how long ago was your wedding? Three months ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, you were definitely a wedding photographer then. So yeah, tell me about the process of being on the other side of the camera and what you learned from that? Yeah, I think I learned a lot in the planning process and then the before and after actually a lot more than I was expecting. I think prior to actually planning our wedding, I didn't, I took for granted how much there was to do (laughs) and how important it is as a vendor to just be super chill and just be that cheerleader for people. And whatever they want to do, you're just like there to say, hell yeah, and support it, which is so important now. And then also just when you get your photos back, like what is actually important to you, that was a really big eye-opening experience. Because I know you talk about you don't really like to pose people too much and you really like to find their authentic or like to capture their authentic day. And that really came out when we got the photos of how important that was. Yeah. So, so can you tell me about that? Like once you got your images back, yeah. What was like the overall, I mean, I, I'm sure you absolutely love the, the photographs like Bailey and Moore, Cy and Sophie. Everyone knows them on this show. They're just next level, mm-hmm. but without just going into how 
beautiful the photographs were. What was the feeling like? Did you know, were there photographs there that you were like taken back that you didn't know that had been taken and you're like, yes, or yeah, how did that kind of go? I'd love to know. I was surprised how much the feelings of everything came back when we got the photos and how much I'd already forgotten. (laughs) Obviously, like the big things I didn't forget, but it kind of just when we opened the gallery, reaffirmed all the awesome parts of the day that we loved and that we really appreciated. I suppose when you get get into wedding photography, you think those portraits are like the thing. And that's the important part of the day is the cool photos and the creative stuff, which is totally like, yes, that is so important. And those images were beautiful and amazing and we'll cherish them forever. But it was the little stuff like just us making pancakes in the morning or drinking mulled wine after the ceremony and hugging our friends and sitting at the table at our dinner that we had afterwards, hanging out with everyone. And like, those were the important ones that we really wanted to see and were most excited to see, which was really interesting to me. I love hearing this. So I'm going to keep diving into this, Kate, because it's... um. I always have this analogy in the back of my mind. You can always learn from someone that has been there and done that. And I think it's the best way, right? So let's say you could only have five photos science so had taken from your wedding day. What five would you choose? Damn. <laughs> challenge. Only five. Yeah, only five. I would probably say, so, I mean, this is audio, so I'll try to be as eloquent as possible. No, don't worry about that. So the way we did our actual legal ceremony was we went out on our back deck and we both held a cat each because we have two. And Ryan, it was an absolute mess. Oh my God. (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) Like, just think about two indoor cats outside, not used to it. We're wearing wedding gear and we don't want them to get get it (laughs) right. And everyone's trying to be like super serious because you're signing papers to be married. Like that was the situation. And it ended up just being manic. (laughs) (laughs) One of them trying to crawl over Hamish's back, the other meowing like crazy. Our celebrant just ended up saying, Kate, will you take Hamish? Hamish, will you take Kate? Yes, yes. Kate, kiss, you're married. Done. Yeah. And that was captured in the photos. And there's just one where Hamish and I are both just laughing uncontrollably. Remy, the cat Hamish was holding, is trying to escape. Like, that was just hilarious. So that's number one. (laughs) Beautiful. Number two was actually probably Hamish. uh, So I took of Hamish just sitting in the car on the way to our ceremony spot. It's super subtle, but like, he's just, he's just got a cute little smile on that he only makes when he's thinking about stuff. So that was really nice. Third, probably the one where we're walking back down the, I say aisle, it was four people, um, <laughs> down the aisle and everyone's throwing honesty petals up in the air and we just look so happy. And then the fourth is probably, oh, I don't know. That's hard. I really pigeonholed myself because those were really beginning of the day, heavy moments. <laughs> Probably just photos of Hamish and I hanging out after we did the ceremony and we were just 
drinking mulled wine with all our friends and it was freezing, but fun. Yeah. Beautiful. And number five. Oh, number five. Right. Oh God. (laughs) When we got to the Sherwood, which is where we had dinner, um, we were all gathered around the fireplace and they brought out mulled wine. Wow. Alcohol heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Not alcoholics. Yeah, we were gathered around the fireplace and everyone was just warming themselves up and we just started chatting with everyone. And there's a photo of just Hamish and I hugging with everyone of our friends around us. And that was just really special. So yeah. And then, yeah, there's like hundreds of other ones that were amazing. But out of those five photos, I think that really tells the story of what the vibe was from our day. It's really, really interesting, Kate, for sharing that. You're so right though, right? Like we all all feel as wedding photographers that that big epic moment, <laughs> the big landscape, the the one that gets the most likes on Instagram is the one that yeah. yeah might attract people. But you going through that process, it's those ones that were not pre-planned like Hamish mm-hmm. in the back of the car just with the yeah. thought on his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not something you can ask a photographer for or you knew you're even going to get that photo. Totally. Yeah, how I love that. I love that. So I want to know, Kate, how mm. has it changed now that you've been through the process? So has your business, your outlook, the way you do things pivoted at all now that you're married and have been there and done that like all of your clients do? Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, prior to our wedding, I thought customer service was a really big thing to do and just give, making people comfortable before you even show up on the day. But now, I mean, as you know, Soph and Sai are so good at just being friends with everyone and just being lights as soon as they walk in the room. So that was really, I think, comforting that the people who were taking the photos on the day were just some more friends there because we'd already talked out all the details beforehand. And by the time they got to our day, we could just be ourselves already, which I think is so important and something that I already put emphasis on, but now just even more so, tenfold even, just because I know how important that is. And then also to concentrate on the small things and not, okay, well, this didn't happen for us, but say, for example, bride and father of the bride are just sitting down talking. Well, that's actually a really important photo. Don't mm-hmm. put your camera down in that photo, you know, or don't leave it out of the gallery because that's the one that they're mm. going to cherish, not the hundred in front of a mountain that, they don't live by and don't really have any connection to. <laughs> mm, I've got a smile on my face now because you are, you are. It's so true. I mean, I'm not married, but yeah, I, I think if I was sitting down having a chat to, to my mom or someone that I love and I only just got these epic landscapes back, you know, life's pretty short. And if I, I'd lost my mom or something like that, I, what am I going to be looking for? You know what totally. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So true. Mm-hmm which I think is, you can kind of, well, for me at least, I think you can kind of tell when people have been shooting for long enough or at least just have the knowledge that that's important because they're the stuff that they show does start to really change. I think. Mm, I remember it's not about me, but I, I remember when I first, first started, I'd bring the camera up, take a photo, put it down, walk around, <laughs> look around put it up, take a photo. And I remember going like um, my biggest critics, I'd go through my galleries and and just be like, I just didn't feel it. And um, I forget who, hmm, 
could have been we are the Parsons. I did an online workshop years ago and they said, Mm -hmm. if you weren't wrecked, completely exhausted and the camera wasn't on your eye all day, Mm -hmm. there is so many things you're missing. And I made it my goal. Literally, it was a bit like much, but even (laughs) if I was talking to the videographer, I'd keep my my camera up to my eye because I wanted to train myself to be there. And if I had missed it, I had the best chance to get it. And it actually like obviously physically made me stronger to be able to do that all day. But also like I was looking at my galleries and I'm like that in between thing. Wow. I'm so glad I was there. And by the time the videographer or whoever flicked their camera on or changed their battery gone, like moments finished. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, they're, they're, they're focusing on those big things, but what's really important to to the client we don't even know really yeah well yeah exactly that's the crazy thing on that so something that i've started doing in my questionnaires before the wedding is asking people to send me photos of five people they really want me to take photos of because i mean like you said you don't know what photos are going to be important to them so you have to ask and that's not saying you have to get a shot list because I personally don't work with a shot list. But even just knowing that maybe there was a cousin who flew over, well, not now, but flew over from Germany and it was a really big effort for them to be there. So getting photos of them, but they're shy. So it's going to be hard to get a photo of them, but knowing that that's important to them is important going into the day instead of maybe there's a cousin from down the road who's super obnoxious and loves getting in front of the camera. Mm. And that's been something that's really helped me. So with knowing that information, how would you handle it? So would you be on the hunt for those five out of 50 or would you just kind of keep it in in the back of the mind through the day? Like how would you physically play that out? Yeah, so I get couples to create just a PDF of like a few photos of the people that they are finding important. And then I just kind of ask them if it comes up, just introduce me to them super casually. Like I'm a pretty chill person. I'm not going to go hunt that person out, but just as the day goes, either I'll kind of have the PDF on my phone. If I see that person make a mental note or the couple will just introduce me like, this is our grandma. Well, my grandma, she's 95. Please get photos of her. Like, yes, sweet. But then also if it's not important to them, then they won't do that. So yeah, I suppose giving people that option to share these important people in their life with me so I can take photos of it. But then also I'm not too fussed if they forget to send it through and that doesn't happen because as long as you give them that option, I think it's good. I love that. I just kind of picturing while you're explaining that of a couple taking me to introduce me to the, you know, the five VIPs or, mm-hmm. or those people that you, you didn't get to connect with after the ceremony, because that breaks the ice straight away and then they feel comfortable and then you don't have to bring the camera up there and then, but it saves you mm-hmm. like running around, like trying to find those people yeah. and, you know, losing sight of where you're going with the actual photography side of things. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even just knowing their names, like putting a face to a name a lot of the time. Uh, sometimes I'll just go up to say one of the people they've said is an important person to them and just introduce myself and say, for example, Alicia and Clint said that you're a really important person to them. And so if you need anything, just let me know. And that on the surface has nothing to do with photography, which I think is also really important. Um, and it's a completely different conversation, but it kind of is that icebreaker of, 
hey, you've made their day because the bride and groom have said that they're an important person to mm. them out of all the other, these other people. But then also you kind of get that foot in the door of getting a really beautiful photo of them. And when you walk up to them with a camera, it's not weird. Like, oh my gosh, where do I look? Blah, blah, blah. Because you've already made that connection, which I think is really cool. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. I mean, can I ask, staying on, I mean, this as well, is most of your work around Queenstown? Like, do you seem to be getting up and leaving Queenstown for any weddings, elopements, etc.? Yeah, so for Queenstown, the last five years, I've been really focusing on Queenstown itself just because that's kind of where I was at. I wasn't really ever interested in traveling that much, if I'm being honest. I really am quite a homebody and I like, I know, being wedding photographers to not be home on the weekends, but I love being home on the weekends and I love just hanging out with my cats and Hamish and drinking tea and hanging out in the garden. So living in Queenstown was kind of just, well, is just perfect. And I don't really feel like I need to leave. That being said, though, I do travel around New Zealand a little bit. Maybe I'll maybe do a wedding outside of Queenstown every two or three months. Well, obviously prior to COVID. And was never really something I pursued too much, but is has just been a welcome byproduct to kind of getting busier. So then on that as well, Kate, so how do most couples find you? Google and Instagram, actually. So Google being SEO ranking or how does that work? Yeah, yes. I've worked quite hard on SEO and just blog posts, optimizing my website, all of that good stuff. And then I think as well, just Instagram, just consistency and having my voice be quite present on that platform. And yeah, that's kind of seemed to do the trick at least, I think. <laughs> so do you get direct leads through Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I would say probably 40% of my inquiries come from Instagram. Wow, solid. And what about the quality-wise from mm -hmm. Google to Instagram? Do you see a total variance in people just shopping around on Google or people that love your work on Instagram or it's kind of a bit of a mix? It's definitely a bit of a mix. I would say Instagram is definitely more those people who have had multiple interaction points with me. So they know my work a little bit better. They know who I am. But then also I've tried to, with the people who come from Google, I've tried to really make my personality known on my website. So yeah, you can read my coffee and know who I am and if we're going to get along or not. So usually I'll only get maybe one or two inquiries a month where people are just shopping around for prices, mm -hmm. which I think is good. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm on your website right now, Kate. It's <laughs> like, oh, this is another question. I want. It's incredible. I'm reading your copy and I've been reading it for a while now, not during our, our <laughs> interview, but um, I was reading it earlier today and I was like, damn, like she's good with words. And I'm, yeah. And I'm like clicking everything and I'm like the experience, the investment, FAQs. Like I'm like, she has thought about everything. And it seems as though you, that you really have the client's interest at heart or thinking about the process they are going for you. Like I'm right now, I'm on the experience. Like, you know, I'm here for you. I do things a bit differently, talking about how you do things and then seeing if we're the right fit. And But your wording is beautiful. Are you doing all your own copy? Yeah, yes. I've done all my own copy. And honestly, it's just kind of been a work in progress of 
and I'm sure other creatives feel the same where you'll just get this kind of wave of creativity and I'll just go onto my website, jot a few things down, save it. And then that's the new part of my website. <laughs> and although some people who might be perfectionists or really have quite a honed in structure to how they do their website might cringe at that. Yeah, it's just kind of an ever evolving thing. And I feel like every time I go into my website and add a few few sentences here, take a few out, edit it, it just kind of becomes more me, if that makes sense. For sure. It's definitely a uh, never ending door, is it? Yeah. Updating your website. So do you use Squarespace or are you using WordPress? No. So I use Flow Themes. Flow Themes. With WordPress. Yeah. Something I thought I would never do because WordPress scared me a lot because I was originally on Squarespace, <laughs> but the team at Flow Themes made it so easy. What made you, Kate, want to go from Squarespace to Flow Themes? I think I had kind of just reached a point in my website where I wanted to be able to customize more and I wanted to be able to show my personality more. Obviously, like Squarespace is amazing and it does have beautiful designs and everything, but it was just that I was just missing that one more step of personalization that I wanted to have. So yeah, it just kind of felt like a natural progression to go from Squarespace where it's quite a preset design and you can change a little bit of it, but for the most part, it's templates where flow themes, although it is template based, there's opportunities to completely customize each part of it. So it just felt natural to not upgrade, but shift. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, it looks incredible. Like the listener, I'm going to link to Kate's website here, but your website just is, has this beautiful, I don't know. It's like a very simple layout. It's so easy to read. Yeah. There's nothing distracting. Like a lot of times when I do website reviews or look at websites, I'm distracted by things or don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. It's not really getting the point across, but no, I think it was, uh, yeah, it looks incredible. I'm going to flip it around again now, Kate. <laughs> I want to ask this question because I think it's really important for people to learn about this. What mm. do you feel as though is your biggest failure, even though if you see it as a lesson whilst being a wedding photographer? Hmm. Biggest lesson. I don't know. I want to say just being humble. <laughs> I think when I started out in wedding photography, I was 21. I was, I don't know, like the classic 21-year-old, like, I'm freaking great. No one can beat me. Like, I'm going to be the best. Obviously not that much, but in a way. (laughs) (laughs) And I think slowly as I've gotten older, I've really started to realize that you need to be more community-based than self-focused, that it's important to be humble and help everyone. And if you bring up everyone together, you also rise instead of trying to be the best. And that honestly, and I'm still working on that. I definitely know I don't have the same outlook that I did when I'm 21, but still sometimes I have to remind myself that it's about being a team player, not being in competition with people. Beautiful. I appreciate sharing that. It's obviously a vulnerable thing to share, but No, I definitely can agree. We all go through, I think, that. And um, 
ego talk sometimes more than than the personality and but we learn and we develop and obviously for the listeners out there it's a question i want to be asking more is what the guest's biggest failure is so we can all learn from people that have been there like your your wedding which was spoken about for a long time Hey, Kate, I want to ask you another question, just straight on the spot. If you could share three things to photographers now to level up their business, their photography, their copy, whatever it may be. Let's say you were mentoring me as a photographer and I was just starting, I was in my first year and I was struggling to get weddings or I wanted more and I wasn't happy with my current photography style, et cetera. What would three things pop up? to your mind that you would want to share with me to help me? Yeah. So, so I think first one is just go for it. I think a lot of people can get in their head about, well, I'll be good enough when I have this gear, this thing, taking this course, this whatever it is that's kind of blocking you or giving you an excuse not to try and to just go for it. And yet yeah, to just start and wherever you're at, know that you're going to improve, <laughs> but you don't need to be perfect before you start, I think is a good synopsis of that. Second, I would say kind of along the same lines, but I would just say shoot a lot. Like give yourself any excuse to just take photographs, either get together with a friend, go to the thrift store, get a white dress and pick some flowers on the side of the road or pair up with some awesome vendors and create relationships that way. But no matter what, just keep shooting and keep improving because that's the only way to get better. I was actually listening to this audiobook called Atomic Habits, and he, was, he gave the example that in a university photography course, the students were split up into two groups, and one side of the room was graded on the amount of photos they took, and one side of the room was graded on the best photo they could take. And by the end of the semester, the people who had just been taking all the shots and practicing and just getting that quantity up there ended up with way more skill and better quality images than the ones who just had to focus on creating that perfect piece of work. So I think that's a good lesson that you just need to get out there and you just need to shoot. And the sooner you can start developing your style and understanding why you like things and what you like, then you'll be successful personally. Mm. And then what else? Number three, I think back to the failure thing, just be humble, (laughs) be open to learning from anyone, maybe someone who's just picked up a camera to someone's been shooting for 10 years because everyone has something that you haven't thought about has a different way of looking at things and you can really learn from anyone. Incredible. Yeah. And don't pay attention to how many followers people have on Instagram. That's stupid. (laughs) Mm. Mm. That's four bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Kate. That's amazing. No, honestly, like absolutely incredible. This is, yeah, amazing. I love love the vulnerability that you're sharing and um, all the insight you've shared as well. Okay. Hopefully um, I have the chance to come back over and, we can actually hang out a bit more and I'd love that. Yeah. And, and obviously help each other th- through this process. But honestly, this has been an absolute honor. Kate. I just want to, um, yeah, thank you for your time. I know we had the times mixed up a little bit, being New South Wales and Queensland. 
but I just want to acknowledge you as well being here and also with your your incredible skill set and you you're always asking those questions even about film with the background you have in the chemistry as well I remember you asking me questions about the role and yeah you're always putting your hand up to learn and like you said and develop and share and and be a real human and it's inspiring to see people like you Kate so I just want to thank you for your time as well well, thank you. I think what you're doing with this podcast is so needed and so awesome for people who are starting or people deep into the industry already. It'll be awesome to just hear so many. Well, it's been awesome actually listening to it and hearing so many different perspectives. Oh, thank you, Kate. One. I'm looking. Yeah. I'll link to obviously everything um, that we've spoken about as well. And for the listener, where's the best place for them to connect with you, Kate? Oh, probably. I mean, I know I just said don't care about Instagram, but probably Instagram, to be honest. <laughs> that's where I tend to spend my most, my iPhone would tell me that's where I spend <laughs> most <of> my time. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best there. Awesome. Kate Roberge Photography. Amazing. And website is katerobege.com, or sorry, .co.nz. Yeah, I last year decided to ditch the .com, left my old life behind me and fully <laughs> adopted the New Zealand. <laughs> Beautiful. I'll link to um, everything that we've spoken about as well and share this episode out to the world. And um, yeah, like I said, just thank you for your time, Kate. Oh, thank you. Awesome. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.